John 18, the politics of the crucifixion and arrest of Christ are very open and very obvious if you know the first century. Look at verse 12. Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. Now there were lines of authority here. I'll keep doing this until we can get a little bit more moving about. Um, in America, sometimes you can have uh, clashes between the federal government and the county or the state or the city about whose jurisdiction it is. That was also a problem in the first century. The Jews had the right to arrest and put on trial anybody for religious or civil reasons, not just religious, because to the Jews, religious and civil were not two different things. The law of God covered both religious and civil issues. However, they were, they were blocked from doing certain trials. You could not do any death penalty trials. That was Rome's business. Nobody else could do that. You could not also do uh, crimes against the state. That was all Rome. And they were arresting Jesus, trying to go for death penalty and crimes against the state, when in fact what they wanted, what they wanted him away for was crimes such as blasphemy. Um, that's really the big one. Uh, they would tell the Romans by his teaching, he is stirring up the people and disturbing the peace. Now, in our, our society, disturbing the peace is you let your, your dog bark too much. Or you stood up uh, drunkenly in a theater and you started yelling and making noise. It's always considered a misdemeanor. It's generally speaking a little fine and that's it. In Rome, disturbing the peace could be a death penalty because the peace, the Pax Romana, they didn't want anybody to upset anything. In fact, they would kill somebody who was innocent if that would keep peace. Peace was more important than people. The individual was not important. The community's peace was important. And that's why the Romans go with the, the Jews. The Jews had brought, and we say the Jews, please understand, the people they arrested were Jews. Jesus was a Jew. This is not anti-Jewish by any stretch. The Jewish officials, perhaps we should say, took the Roman officials so that they could arrest them on two different counts, really. The Jews would say blasphemy to their people, but they would say disturbing the peace to, or um, trying to overthrow the Romans. They didn't really go that far. They left that, that inference out there. But uh, that, both of these now. It's kind of like, uh, and you've seen people that have had charges in two different states and two different charges, and they try them in one, then they move them to the other. That's what's really going on here. That's also why they had to do a bunch of movement. But what the first thing you, know, you should notice is, verse 12 of John 18, they bound him and brought him first, then verse 13, brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Hmm. We've got an irregularity. There's a book that was written back in the 60s, I think, and I think they've updated it, but it's called A Lawyer Looks at the Crucifixion of Christ or A Lawyer Looks at the Trial of Christ. And he brings up all of the irregularities in this. 
Uh, there are certain things going on in America legal system right now in the DOJ that people are pointing out irregularities to each other. This was, this was one of them. The Jews at this time were not in, entirely in control of their religion because the Romans wanted it to be peaceful. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and the scribes. Now we're going to move the Essenes out because they refused to get into this fight. So we have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. The scribes are your scholars and lawyer group. And they were, they were all just collectively called the scribes. They argued so much about religion and who could control the temple and who could be the high priest that every year there would be riots. So the Romans shut that down, said, nope, you're going to take turns. You can be high priest this year and then you this year. And they allowed a high priest to stay a bit longer than a year, but the temple was run this year by the Pharisees, next year by the Sadducees. Next, and so they all got their bet. And if that sounds strange to you, you ought to go to Israel today. If you walk into the big uh, cathedral that's built, or big church that's built about where Jesus is supposed to have ascended from and, or where he was born or the like, there are squares in the tiles that only this church is allowed to touch. Only the Armenian Orthodox, the, uh, the Jewish people can go there the uh, Greek Orthodox are allowed to go there. And if I am an Armenian and I reach over and let my broom touch any of your tiles, there, there are fistfights. It is, it is sad. It is as unchristian as can be, but it is brutal. The problem is there's archaeology under there that is desperately important and we can't get to it because each of them fight for their own thing. And then the Muslims claim that they have an area there as well. Uh, it is just, it's a mess. That was what Rome wanted to keep from happening. And so they rotated. Annas, however, was one of those guys that wouldn't let go. So his son-in-law is brought in as high priest, but it's only in name. Everybody knows you go to Annas. He's not going to let Caiaphas make any decisions. It, he's just, Caiaphas is there because Annas nominated him because he knew that meant he kept his power. That becomes important. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. So he already has, he already has brought up the very Roman way of thinking. It doesn't matter if he's innocent. If by killing him we bring peace, that's what we have to do. That is not a dead idea. Now, this is going to sound very political. I don't mean for it to be. I understand that Robert Mueller is a Republican, if I understand correctly. Uh, he has hired some Democrats. That's fine. The, um, but there's something in, in Mueller's past which is very, very ugly. He left four people in prison for years that he knew were innocent. Because if they were released, it would endanger his confidential informant. He had an informant that was bringing him information from crimes. And if these people got out, they would endanger that guy. So he left them in there for years and years, would not allow their trials to go forward, would not allow their lawyers to meet with them, knowing they were innocent. I would love to tell you that that was a very strange, odd thing, but no, it happens in America all the time.
It is ugly. We will not get justice until we go see Jesus. No, it doesn't matter if it's Democrat or Republican or Libertarian. That's the way it works. When you get into the system, it doesn't really matter. That's, uh, it's kind of, any lawyer will talk to you and say, it's not really about the law. It's about who knows how to use it to win. And it's, it's just a mess. Um, it always has been. So I, I just want to make sure you understand that this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. Don't expect to get a lot of justice here. Uh, my, my wife was pulled over right after we moved to Colorado. That's where she's from, but we'd moved back there for a few years. Pulled over by a state trooper for following too closely to a car. I wasn't in the car, but she said it, it was a complete lie. I wasn't doing that. And she was so upset. And we had to talk about, all right, this is unjust. But let's talk about the injustices that are happening to people in Africa. And at that time in Sarajevo and the like. We talked about that for a while and we all calmed down. Pay the ticket. It is unjust. But that's the way the world is. Leave it alone. Caiaphas, there's another bit of the story I'd like to tell you about Caiaphas. Years ago now, I'm going to guess about 15 years ago, they were digging out uh, a bit of ground for a sidewalk in the Jerusalem area, and they hit upon a little box. And there's a rule in Israel. You hit anything which might even possibly be ancient, you have to down tools, you have to stop, and call in the, the archaeological and historical authorities. And they did so. And they dug up this beautiful box. Well, it used to be, you could tell, it used to be a beautiful box. And it was an ossuary. In those days, when you were buried... You were only buried for a certain amount of time. Uh, you were put on the shelf, and there were several shelves in. If the shelves were full, the next time somebody comes in, you take the oldest body, and you, you break all the bones together. You don't break them. By that time, they're apart. You bring the bones, and you put them in a bone box. And you can, most of the time, that box would stay in if it's a cave. Most people didn't have access to caves or have the money for this, and so they would put that box somewhere else in their house, usually. In that box, rather, they pulled out the box. There weren't any bones inside by this time, but there was written on the side, Caiaphas, family of the high priest. Well, to, to let you know, if you start looking this up, for about 10 years, there were people who claimed this was a forgery, and they put it into court and the like. It has now been determined by the courts and by the authorities. It is not. So the little bits and stuff that were inside is all that's left of Caiaphas. And I keep thinking, Caiaphas, when you sat there and let your father-in-law bully you and bully Jesus, and when you so cavalierly said, you know, if it makes things better, we'll just kill him. Did you realize that 2,000 years later we would have your bones? but his bones aren't on the planet. That's a real amazing thing to think about. His bones, we found his box if he'd have known. The thing is, it's kind of like C.S. Lewis said. He said, if you try to break, the, he said, you can't break the Ten Commandments. And I found that fascinating. Kept reading. And he said, if you go against the Ten Commandments, they will break you. And I thought, you know, 
you go against Jesus, eventually it's going to break you. Nobody celebrates Caiaphas or Annas anymore. In a way, it reminds me of my drive up Carter's Creek Road. I live in Spring Hill, which means I can't get out. <laughs> the traffic there is insane because the, the city planners didn't and refused to. So there are times I can't get out around Kedron to Saturn Parkway. I can't get out going north on 31. So I head south to come north, and I catch a road around to Carter's Creek, and I drive up. And, there, and I'm really glad I do because there are some goats there that I am fascinated by. I'm easily fascinated. There's a little area. It cannot be more than 100, 120 feet square. It is featureless except for a round concrete septic cover that rises up less than a foot. As I drive by every day, either there is no goat on it or it's a particular goat. He is king of that 120-foot square lot, and he's king of the septic tank. <laughs> and I've watched, because every time you go up, the story changes. Uh, you'll, there'll be a, a different goat, and that goat might give it a try, and you'll see this goat turn around and put his horns down. No, no, no. I am king here. I, I try to remember that because when you're a big guy and everybody kowtows to you and you walk in the room, you're probably king of a septic tank. You're not as big as you think you are. <laughs> Annas thought he was king. Caiaphas thought he was uh, at least related to the king. Does anybody even remember them or talk about them anymore? No. They're not important. I've seen elders in a church who think that they are, will live forever and that this is their, their kingdom. I told our shepherds when I got here, I am known for going to work with troubled churches, and uh, we, we do a program to help them get fixed and head around. By the way, we don't try to make them like fourth. We don't try to make them bring in different music or voices of women. We, we, we're just trying to help them with their leadership model. Let them be who they are, where they are, but let's work with the leadership model. And when I came in to here, I did my general spiel. Uh, if you don't know this, three of our shepherds were members of my church when I was in Michigan. And so they know me, and that's why they called me here. So it wasn't any surprise to them. But I told them about my replacement club. When I come to a church, I immediately start looking for people, 14 to 40, men and women, who could replace me one day. These are elastic numbers. I will cheat on these numbers. Um, you saw Grayson, the beautiful little uh, red-haired girl here. She and I preached once, and within five minutes, I am not kidding, I am not exaggerating, in my head came loud and clear, clear from God, she's better at this than you are. And I had to agree. I was going, oh my goodness, I still have to stand up here for 25 more minutes, and I'm going to shrink as I do so because she's, you know, She's going, uh, when we prayed for her just now, I prayed that she would shine so much that our names would be forgotten. We have to get people to replace us because, as I told the shepherds, I said, if you are not working with at least two people to take your place, you are not building God's kingdom. You're building yours. Preachers have to remember that because we always, we're like boxers. We stay in the ring, but one or two fights too long. And it ruins our reputation. The rest of our life is forgotten. 
And so very openly, when I came here, I said, this is my last church. But when I'm 70 years old, I'm not going to be your pulpit minister. I'm going to have to be gradually stepping away every year between now and then, letting them shine. They did a great job today. They were, we did not sit with them and know what they were going to say. That's always a little scary. But they did brilliant. They did brilliant. Well, let's talk about Peter. Oh, do you have any questions about the law back then? This was, uh, there, there are going to be several breaking of the law as you go through. This is just the first one. You, oh, by the way, another one. You can't arrest a person in Jewish law at night. It has to be in the open and daylight to arrest someone in the Jewish law. They broke that one too. So we've got two broken ones already. Now, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. The other disciple was almost certainly John. John did not like to refer to himself by name. He would tend to say the apostle that Jesus loved because he was the youngest, probably 17 is our best guess from the words used about him. Um, so that said, by the way, he doesn't refer to himself at all when he did something wrong that the other gospels talk about. It's just whoosh, right past that. Um, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. So John's family connection somehow has trumped his connection with Jesus. The high priest knows him, so he gets to go in. Peter had to wait outside at the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He said, I am not. It was cold, and the servants and officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm. Peter was also standing with them, warming himself. Now, look at the juxtaposition we're getting into. Jesus is inside on trial. Peter, she came, or the, John came to get Peter in, but Peter won't go in. He stays outside. Servant girl would have let him in. There's nothing here that indicates. Because he said, are you one of the disciples? He said, no, that would have been clearance. Peter didn't want to go in. Peter's afraid. I gave um, a talk to a bunch of um, first responders recently. This is a collection. It was a few firemen. There were some trauma nurses, some helicopter uh, nurses, I call them. Uh, there were uh, trauma physicians, but there were also some law enforcement of various sorts in the room, about 2,000 of them. It was an amazing, amazing couple days. And my talk to them was on fear. And I've worked with fear a lot in my life with groups like this. Fear shuts down thought. Fear shuts down action and logic and appropriate responses. Fear is not our friend. I've had people say, you should always have a little bit of fear. I'm not sure I would want to call that fear. I think a little anxiety, a little, I don't even like that word, a little um, nervous excitement is acceptable. But fear locks you down. Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Grossman did his entire career studying why it is hard to teach people to kill. Now, you may not know this. Uh, if you go to his website, which is still active, it's called killology.com. It is fascinating. Now, you may, not, you may be a pacifist. It's still important to see this. Animals do everything they can not to kill their own kind. 
with very, very few exceptions. Even rattlesnakes, if they're fighting, never bite each other. They sling and bump their necks against each other, but they will not go that extra mile. In Gettysburg, during the, what do I want to call it, this side of the line, the War of Northern Aggression, or whatever you want to call it, um, when they, dig up, they dug up all those rifles that were still there, almost all of them were loaded. Some of them, one of them, had 17 loads in it. What that meant was he was loading, and then he was loading again, and he was loading it. He could never bring himself to fire it and had lost control of what he was doing. The British would always yell. One of the things they always yelled until after the American Revolution, well, no, after the Napoleonic Wars, the sergeants would, all, would whack soldiers with the, the sword, the blunt sword, and, and yell, aim low, because the soldiers would fire high over the heads. They were so reluctant. Killology.com is a fascinating place. Here's the thing. Fear drives us, locks us. We forget our purpose. Peter got afraid. I've been afraid too, and I've done some stupid things when I was afraid. So I get this. I'm not knocking Peter, but this is not his high, finest hour. Meanwhile, camera changes. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I love what Jesus does here. I've spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. A lady wrote me this week. She actually wrote. I got a letter. Now, normally, when someone handwrites it, it's in crayon and it's not positive. Uh, but this was, was actually written in pen. It was very nice. And she, she said, the only thing that keeps her going are my sermons on YouTube. I don't, I don't post any. Now, I know a lot of people do. Some to attack me, some because they like the sermon. I've never listened to any of them because I don't do that. So I said, why don't you go to our website? Because it's a more controlled environment there. She's very excited to learn about this. But I, this reminds me of the time. I moved away from Lancaster, where I was with my friends here, and went to Morgantown, West Virginia, and stayed there nine years, as I had in Ohio. Loved it. During that time, there was a minister uh, across the river in eastern Kentucky who wrote a book against me. It was the first one. I was quite excited. Um, and when I found out about it, it had been printed out. He'd self-published. Uh, he'd, it had been out for months and months before I'd heard about it. And uh, somebody eventually emailed me some quotes from it, saying, look what he says you're saying. And I read all the quotes, and I'd said that. I said, you know, he, he doesn't like me, but he quoted me right. <laughs> it's even in context, so what am I supposed to do here? Uh, Jesus is doing the same thing. He says, everything I've said is out there. I haven't hidden anywhere. Why should I be answering this? Look what happens. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. That is always in every culture a major insult. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He was answering Annas, not the high priest. Do you see what's going on here? This is pretty ugly. He said, if I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what is wrong. 
But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Then Anna sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So you see how this works? Everybody's calling Annas the high priest. Well, Annas is saying, well, let's just, do, let's just get the legal things going. Send him over. Meanwhile, camera shifts. Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ears, ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it, and at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Peter was still ashamed of this when he preached later. We brought this up as we went to the book of Mark. The book of Mark does not name the apostle who pulled the sword. It just said, a certain man. And it's Peter's, Peter is the writer of the book of Mark, if you get that. Because Mark wrote down Peter's sermons. That's what Mark is. So it's really the book of Peter. And Peter goes, a certain man. And that just tickles me. It's kind of like, it was in the dark, we were all confused. It could have been me, but, you know, um, somebody, you know, it's possible, maybe I, could others may have done. I, I just, you know, people, let's give him some slack. Haven't we been ashamed of some things and changed the story? Of course. Of course we did. Poor Peter, though. What is the difference? Peter denied Jesus three times. What is the difference between Peter and Judas? Sorry? Peter came, back. Peter came back. That's it. However much you've sinned, if you come back, it's over. Judas hung himself. He gave up. He didn't come back. Well, cam uh, camera changes again. The Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas. We don't even get what happened because Annas said him to Caiaphas, but we don't get that chapter here in, in John. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. I have a, an idea that maybe Caiaphas, it was just pro forma. They brought him there so they could say they did. I, I don't really know. By now, it was early morning. And again, another irregularity. Jewish law is very plain in the Old Testament. You cannot do a trial. You cannot do interrogations at night. Again, it has to be open to the community. You can't do them in a closed room during the daytime. It has to be open to the community. The community has to agree what justice is. They're breaking everything here. Took him to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanliness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. Can you, can you even imagine the hypocrisy of this? Well, we still want to be able to go to church tomorrow, and that would make us ceremonially unclean, so we have to send him in with other people. Oof. That's awful. But people are awful sometimes. So Pilate came to them and said, what charges are you bringing against this man? Let's talk about Pilate. We know something from history about Pilate. Uh, people used to say he, he wasn't a governor of Judea, that the dates were wrong until they discovered a floor uh, as they were digging because Israel's a tiny country and people that go there want to live somewhere. So they, they build houses, they build settlements and they find these things. Found a floor and on the corner it was carved in there, laid during the time of Pilate, governor of Judea. So it was all there. 
And I think that was like in the 50s, 1950s, when they, they found that, if I'm right. And I went, oh, but we know some from history. Pilate was not a, um, oh, a villain in the sense that we would call a villain. He was, however, only interested in keeping the peace because keeping the peace meant he kept his job. It wasn't justice. It was keeping the peace. Remember this. What Pilate did was not unusual. It probably would have occurred regardless of who was governor of Judea. Because during this time, they're even going to tell him, if you don't take care of this guy, we're going to tell Rome that you're allowing this to happen. We're going to tell on you. Oh, my goodness. Well, what charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal... We would not have handed him over to you. <laughs> He's just a criminal. That's deal. Wow. Now, some of this, by the way, is a clash of cultures. The Romans have a more direct way, and we inherited quite a bit of that, the very direct way of dealing with these things, whereas Jewish people have a very off, their culture often answers in a vague way or in a question. I went to school with a lot of Jews. You do that when you work in psychology and, and then in, in medicine, and I, I loved every one of them I met. If we were at a table, it was a warm day, and I'm going down to the Coke machine during the break to get some Cokes, if I ask them, do you, you know, a, a couple of Jews there, uh, would you want, you want a Coke? They would often say something like, you know, that wouldn't be bad, which means yes, please. So I'd go down and bring up the Coke, and I would hand it to them, and they would uh, sometimes offer to pay, but most of the time, they knew I was just going to buy. Now, if they went down and they brought a Coke up to me, and I said, let me pay you for it, they go, no, no, no. What's 50 cents? That means 50 cents. <laughs> if, they, if they said, no, it's my turn, I knew I didn't have to pay. Now, they're not being cheap. They're not trying to steal anything. That's the culture. And I'm very comfortable with this. That different people have different cultures. So this is a very cultural thing. Here, sent, you know, do something with him. Well, what did he do? Well, we're, we brought, if we brought him, he must have done something. So do your job. He says, you take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And then, they, then it comes out, we can't kill people. We have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace. Summon Jesus and ask him, are you the king of the Jews? He said, is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? He goes, am I a Jew? Peter, uh, Pilate replied, your own people and chief priest handed you over to me. What is it you've done? He's, he's saying, listen, I don't pay attention to them. Nobody said anything. What, what's going on? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth, retorted Pilate. Is this one of the oddest legal things you've ever heard? Here's the thing. It wasn't odd for them. The indirectness, the um, make an inference, 
And this is the way they spoke. This drives some people crazy. People who, let's say, go off to university and they need a class at 10 o'clock. And so they'll find one which is classical literature or something. And they're thinking, I'll do that. And then you read it and you're never really sure what's happening by whom because our voices are very different. We, we, we write in a different way. What is going on? Pilate doesn't, doesn't, doesn't bother him if somebody calls themselves a king. To them, a king was not necessarily somebody who had a throne and a kingdom. It was, it was more like a tribal chief. And he was dealing with a lot of tribal chiefs. The Berbers and the like are up. Um, not so much the Berbers. People like the Berbers are up there that are nomads, the, the shepherds. Uh, but you also had the Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes. They all had their little kingdoms. So he wasn't trying to say, are you going to overthrow Rome? He didn't think this guy could overthrow anything. He's just saying, now, are you the leader of the Jews? And is there an issue? Have you gotten sideways with the religious guys? Because they, they always felt the religious guys were silly. Rome did. Jesus is just saying, I am a king, but he doesn't say I am a king. He says, my kingdom is a... So when he says my kingdom is of this world, what is inferred? He is a king. You see, that's the way Jewish people still speak amongst each other. Now, they, they're very much like others, and that is they'll change their speech in public to uh, a different people. But I, I actually love it because of the circular bit of it, and sometimes I come out of the conversations not really understanding what happened, but I had a good time. And that's, uh, and they'll just pat me on my head, you know, a little ignorant Gentile. Uh, he says, you are a king then. And Jesus goes, you say that I am a king. That's what, you know, you, then, okay, you say it. But I come to speak about truth. And Pilate says, what is truth? You've never heard a preacher do what I'm about to do here. Um, I have just read one of the best magazines ever. And it's one I read every, every month that comes out. And it's an atheist magazine called Skeptical Inquirer. I read three atheist magazines. Uh, two of them are monthly, once every two months. And, and I read them. Uh, I'm always looking to see, what are they saying? Is it valid? What, what can I get? And the Skeptical Inquirer has always been the worst of them. In that I'm reading it going, what? This month is golden because it talks about how the war on truth is a war on science. And if you don't know this, if you don't follow it, in recent uh, months, it has been very public that professors at a large number of universities in the US are calling mathematics racist. They're calling history racist. They're calling, and, and the idea is, that's a white man's science. And it's all about absolutes where all culture does something different. And it's seriously affecting science teaching in our country. And I'm terrified by that. Pilate says, what is truth? He was our first postmodern. He says, uh, pfft, how can anybody know anything? I've told you before that I've debated professors on that one. And whenever they say we can't know anything, I always say, how do you know that? And whenever they say, you know, our, our concept of there is no right or wrong is right, I'm going, internal contradiction. And we'll start listing the errors in thought. I, I'm going to get asked permission 
to um, spread that article. Uh, I have to ask, because we're very tight here on copyright. We really never want to break that. That's why we never broadcast our songs on Facebook. We have a license to sing them. We do not have a license to broadcast. We're very tight on this. But if I can get permission from this um, professor, I would love to share this article. But if not, you're going to have to go buy Skeptical Inquirer. And I'm pretty sure no ministers ever asked you to go do that before. Uh, I'm not afraid this is going to shake your faith. There was no article in there that, I don't, that would do that. So, uh, Anyway, what is truth? With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for charge against him. But it's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Isn't that interesting? Jesus never tried an uprising, but they call him the traitor. Barabbas had and was evidently incarcerated somewhere. They said, no, give us him instead. We don't know anything about Barabbas. Most everything we know about Barabbas comes from old movies that made it up. You know, like The Robe, and there are many others. There, were, there was a time that Hollywood did uh, really respectful movies about the Bible, if you remember that. It was, there was a long series of them where they really respected Scripture. Those days are gone. And I, I'm sorry, this is going to upset some people. Some of the TV movies about religion that have been done by Christians, I look at and go, why? You know, they turned David into a superhero, and they turned this, the angels into ninja combat kung fu warriors and Sodom, and I'm going, you don't have to spice up the story. It's a pretty good story already. We're, we're about to be done with this, um, but I want, to look, want you to see what happens in chapter 19, and we'll talk more about it next week. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. For what? To keep the peace. Now, those of you that saw uh, Mel Gibson's film on this, if you were horrified by the violence and thought it over the top, you need to understand everything he showed you there was normal to them, and they didn't flinch doing this to human beings because the life of the individual means nothing. It's the group. Um, I'll end it with this. In World War II, and before, before we got into World War II, when there was a, the, the Sino-Chinese uh, War and such, the Japanese people, who if you go to Japan, are unerringly polite. Um, it is crowded, but they will do their best to help you. And it is a society built on politeness to the group. Why were they able to do such a horrible atrocities, the, the, the death march of Bataan, the bridge over the river Kwai, if you will, um, the routine bayoneting and raping of Nanking, if you've never heard of the rape of Nanking, you have to have a strong stomach to look it up. Why were they so horrible in war? And the reason is because the community told them to be. The emperor told them to be. This is what the community does. That's why they don't feel guilty about any of that today. And it's not in their books. Because they didn't do it. The emperor told the community to do it. The community did it. That is so hard for Americans to grasp, isn't it? Because in America, it's the individual. 
my rights, my way, my, you know, I did it my way, all that. That is much more rare than you might think in the world. In the world, it is what does the community need? And if it needs to flog an innocent man, well, you know, sorry for him, but that's what we'll do. This is a hard set of things. It's so far distant from us. So I hope you're gaining it. Uh, look forward to next week.